1: Ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow is underway from 6th and Peabody with e Hop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The Monday edition coming off of a college football weekend with upsets, big leads, no more, and some classic games, plus the NFL. A lot of teams as the underdog, they are victorious in, in week six. Glad you're with us. Big show planned. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Do we have a quarterback controversy in Cleveland, I think, would be one question I have, considering
1: upsets <laughs> I, around I'm the league. Not so sure about that, given, think, the, given the defense. Given by pay,
2: uh, also, um, oh, the pay. That, you know probably not much of a quarterback controversy, but a wild and fun weekend uh, across the country. Good okay. to be here, Hudden.
1: Mike Veck uh, is going to join us coming up in an hour. Uh, the Saint of Second Chances is the Netflix documentary uh, featuring uh, Daryl Strawberry. And we have uh, the former MLB exec and author who will join us uh, about that and much more coming up in an hour. Looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, so I, I watched this thing, and uh, I, I started thinking, oh, am I going to be into this or not? And five minutes in, it's one of the best pieces of sports material I've seen on film in the last year. It is fantastic. Jeff Daniels narrates it. Charlie Day plays Mike Vec in the documentary and the dr- dramatized portions of okay. it. People remember the name Bill Veck, the former owner of the Chicago White Sox. Mike is his son that came up with the idea for Disco Demolition Night that blew up in his face, and violence happened, and it eventually cost his dad the team. So after he went into exile for a while for this idea, he came back with all of these crazy promotions for minor league baseball. Mike Veck is the inventor of the luxury box. That you see across sports now. Incredible story. And this is going to be an amazing interview. One of the greatest personalities you will ever witness in sports. I am not overselling this. This guy is this terrific and has brought this much to sports. And more people need to know about the Vec family. You can say he led to the Savannah Bananas in a way. Savannah Bananas. uh, His team was in St. Paul. St. Paul the independent league team that he started that ended up selling out every single game. He is the father of the minor league baseball promotion and in turn what became the major league baseball promotion with his work with the White Sox. Fascinating story. Can't wait to talk to Mike.
1: And uh, Petros Papadakis joins us in the final hour of the show. Uh, played at USC, now with Fox Sports, doing a great college football uh, analyst work and, of course, uh, on the radio as well. He knows the Trojan program very well. We'll dive in on what happened against Notre Dame on Saturday night. Chad, the uh, week six across the league uh, yesterday that played out, it wasn't about great quarterback play. It's normally known for all the quarterbacks. Not on Sunday. It's about defense and the dominant play of the defense against some pretty good quarterbacks. You mentioned Cleveland. Cleveland's win wasn't about Watson or not having Watson, but going with PJ Walker. It was about the domination that that Cleveland Browns defense put on Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers and behind Jim Schwartz, who's the best offseason hire of any assistant that was made. Uh, Stefanski got a great defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz and turning that around. Teams are winning, but they're not putting up a ton of points. They're keeping points off the board. Through six weeks, right now, here are the offensive touchdowns that have been scored. 394 of them in 2023. In 2021, through six weeks, compare 394 to 502. 502, and it's dropped down to 394. 425 offensive touchdowns a year ago at this time compared to how few we've seen in in the first six weeks of the season. defense matters it's still about do you have the quarterback at the end but the talent distribution across the league is the NFL model that crushes so many one possession games in the fourth quarter and in this case defenses are getting stops when they really have no business doing that Chad because the rules are stacked against them the Jets beat the Eagles And the San Francisco 49ers, they fall to Cleveland. And now we have no no unbeaten teams at this point. Everyone at least with one loss. And it was a a dominant day where you see Mahomes and Kelsey, they continue to make headlines in Kansas City. Of course, uh, what Miami's doing is something we haven't seen in the NFL in seven decades at this point, going back to the 50s. But right now, it's more like an early 2000s, late 90s defensive style where quarterbacks don't have much of a chance. The Texans win because of their defensive play. The Bengals as well. They beat the Seahawks by shutting them down. I'm surprised that in 2023, we're seeing the scores as they are. And there are a lot of teams right now with just two or three wins And that's because they're running up against some buzzsaw defenses to begin the year. It it is
2: oddly, Hutton, when you look around, um, oddly refreshing to see defenses rule the day again in a lot of situations. While simultaneously, probably a little bit disturbing for the league because they set these rules to free up offenses and quarterbacks to be the stars of the league. And when you see quarterbacks dropping like flies, that's really disturbing for the NFL, for their television partners, for ownership – for everyone. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey going down, huge deal. When players like that, of that ilk, get injured. But make no mistake about it, it's when the quarterbacks start to fall. That's when owners in the league gets really nervous. So I, I find myself watching games and thinking, man, this is a refreshing throwback where defense truly matters. Defense has a shot. Not only do they have a shot, they're dominating some of these great offenses and quarterbacks while also thinking in the back of my mind, The league must hate this. The league must hate this shift towards dominating defenses, even
1: though I may like it. Five teams that entered week six with fewer victories than their opponent ended up winning in week six. And six weeks into the season, again, no unbeaten teams. And that is surprising, given the fact that we saw what San Francisco is doing on the scoreboard and what Philly's capable of. Uh, and just uh, moving down the line, you mentioned the uh, the quarterback play and the injuries. It's not like they're you know they have took out the the the, uh, the pass rush where you can't hit below the uh, right at the knee or just below the waist. You can't hit someone hard in the pocket now. You also, as they're releasing the football, can't even put a, a fingertip on the helmet. That's how much they're protected. But we saw five quarterbacks go down in what was a tough day, Chad. Justin Fields went out with a thumb injury. Ryan Tannehill out in London with an ankle problem that he suffered last year. And he's getting many uh, many test results and second opinions as they have returned back to Nashville today. Trevor Lawrence with a knee issue. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, raise your hand if you've heard this before. He's injured and left the game. He had to go to the hospital with a back injury. Uh, and he also had... a. Baker Mayfield, he's the only quarterback of this group that returned to the game. He had a, a hand issue and ended up finishing for the Bucs in a loss. You're right. It's, uh, it's not a great result for the league if these quarterbacks are, are down. And you have to go to the backups. But the, the strong ones are dealing. But when they run up against some of the top de- defenses in the league, normally they still get theirs. And in this case, we're just not seeing it this year. It's a lot of sloppy play and offensive lines, I think, are to blame a lot of bad offensive line play
2: a lot of bad offensive line play i i I have to think you know are we practicing enough are we getting enough cohesion (laughs) with offenses leading up to the season during the week you know there's a lot of rules in place now about amount of practice and everything else i I don't really know the reason but offensive lines are bad quarterbacks are banged up i hate it for jimmy garoppolo but i I don't know how much more if this is another (laughs) serious injury the back injury, I, I don't know how much longer he can play. Every season, <laughs> it is something different with him, which is unfortunate.
1: And Hoyer comes in, and the, the Patriots end up losing to one of their former quarterbacks. Faced two of them yesterday. Lost to the Raiders late. And uh, you, the Browns over the 49ers, you mentioned who was injured for them, that McCaffrey and, and Debo Samuel. But, Chad, against San Francisco, the Browns held them to just 3 of 12 on third down. Brock Purdy loses for the first time in the regular season as a starter. And this was a defense that finished 20th in points a year ago that Jim Schwartz now has going up against an a a, a offense that had scored 30-plus, and he's held them to uh, 17 points, now 5-1. and one. The Browns are 3-2. and two. The Jets beat the Eagles without Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed at corner. And they still go against Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. AJ got his. They didn't put up points. 14 uh, points on the board for the Eagles' offense that is still trying to figure things out. But the Jets with Zach Wilson, they win 20 to 14.
2: Also, a horrific mistake from Jalen Hurts, fading away, throwing that interception. That's the only way the Jets win. Is a defensive, they, basically the defense turning into offense. And 11, Jalen
1: Hurts. 11 points off turnovers.
2: As, as that was just, I mean, it was room service. Here you go. Here's the game right there. Try not to drop it. I'm going to throw it right to your chest with plenty of room in front of you to run. That was a horrific mistake from Jalen Hurts and really lost them the ballgame in that one because Zach Wilson's been okay. You know, he's been a little bit better. Zach Wilson, the drive before, had a chance to go down and win the game. They couldn't do it offensively got set. He was not. If you just punt the ball away, Zach Wilson's not going down and leading a field goal drive to win that game. That was the one way they could have lost and they
1: lost. First time in 13 games or the first time ever that the Jets uh, hold a victory over the Philadelphia Eagles for their franchise. Uh, Jalen Hurts now. Seven interceptions this season. He had six all of last year for Philadelphia. And... The Jets against some top quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Chad, the Jets defense has eight interceptions, and they've allowed just three touchdown passes to those three quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I don't know that I need to see Mike Greenberg of ESPN celebrating the Jets win from his
1: couch by himself with someone filming it. You know what they're celebrating, though? What? Aaron Rodgers is throwing passes on the field a month after having surgery. Yeah. Normally, you don't let a guy on the on no crutches. You don't let a guy on the turf with fear of uh, like a punt coming down and someone running into him as guys are warming up. But he's out there.
2: I'll believe it when I see it on him coming back and playing this season. Um, again, I, I don't need to see Mike Greenberg celebrating uh, the Jets win on social media, but I, I am behind this story in this team. I, I love it. I hope they continue to stay relevant. That's really my only goal. I was going for them going into this weekend for that reason. I think it's a crazy story and a terrific story. I kind of like Robert Sala acting like a fan on the sidelines at times and talking his talk after the game about how his defense, and he's right, making really good quarterbacks look awful, making them look foolish in these games. And he said, even though we're not winning all of them, defense is getting the job done. I like this Jets story. And Hutton, if we are seeing Aaron Rodgers out there throwing football, as we just saw with that one, if they continue to be relevant and have a shot at the postseason late into the season, I just like the fact that we may be even talking about him coming back at some point.
1: Three and three right now in the season. And they end up winning a game against Kansas City with the way Mahomes was playing, if Rodgers is in the lineup there. Chad, Deion Sanders in Colorado. Massive lead whenever I was, saw this score on Friday evening. And then I see the score Saturday morning with Stanford winning. What an uh, epic collapse and Sanders post game just shaking his head. Less and less to say now in the fight promotion game leading up to the following weekend.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm really anxious to see how he handles adversity because l- let's, let's be clear about all this, all right? Going up to Eugene, Oregon and losing to a really good football team the way they did... There's some adversity there, no doubt. They got housed by a better team. But we knew Oregon was a better team going into that game, and they took full advantage. That's not true adversity. Blowing a 29-0 halftime lead and going, I think, in the last 15 years, that's like 1 in 294 of a team leading by 28 or more points at halftime. The one loss is Colorado in that stretch. That, my friends, that's adversity. Now we get to see how Deion Sanders really responds to that. This is the first game. Would have been Colorado State had they not come from behind and won that one. This is the first game. They are a double-digit favorite in this one at home, and they lose after leading 29 to nothing. True adversity starts now. I don't want to just see how Deion Sanders responds to it. I want to see how this program that was this overnight sensation to start the year responds to this because I'm looking down their schedule I saw today it was announced the television time for their game at UCLA. That's a game they're not going to be favored to win. Bowl game, which we thought was a foregone conclusion when they were 3-0, and that's no longer a certainty for this team. Really curious to see how they respond and how Deion Sanders continues to lead this group through what now looks like possibly a very challenging first season that we wouldn't have thought three weeks ago that would have been the case going into that Oregon game.
1: Yep, and it, he's... Got them as a, a, a relevant program where we're responding uh, to a Colorado team that gives up a big lead against Stanford. There's been a parody of him on SNL oh, yeah.
2: that I'm watching on Weekend Update with Keenan Thompson as Deion Sanders. So he's still a superstar. He's still a celebrity. But this is legitimate sports adversity now. They, yeah. they, they just lost to 1-4 Stanford, who, oh, by the way, also has a first-year head coach, who's been terrible. And they looked foolish doing so
1: at home. You know what's interesting now, though? This happened last week, too. Colorado with a, a win and facing adversity there. Really not much of a headline in recapping a weekend of college football. And that's after three straight weeks of domination as far as national relevancy. And they're discussed today because of the, uh, giving up the lead and losing. If they give up the lead and end up winning... How much are we talking about Colorado? It, it, it's just—it's interesting how quickly the shine is off based on the results of the stretch against Oregon and USC.
2: Yeah, and, I, I and mean, look, they had uh, Cedric the Entertainer at the game the other night, I, I night know. on the sideline. I mean, they've gone from The Rock to Cedric the Entertainer. That's quite the fall already. I'm not sure what the equivalent is next
1: to go to, but it's th- going to keep dropping the level of celebrity on the sideline. Coming up, we've got the alphas and betas—the good and the bad of the NFL and college. Stay tuned to Hot Mike with Under Withrow.
3: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today, Angie.
1: Sixth and Peabody Air Location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, how was the weekend? It's good, good. Gotten a little uh, softball dust up.
2: Nothing new on Saturday,
1: but uh, typical you know, weekend. Time heals all wounds. That means you uh, arrived and coached.
2: Time, time heals all <laughs> wounds. Told you I've become the. I mean, I, I wouldn't say this now because my team is undefeated. Unlike Deion Sanders. But uh, I've become the coach prime. I, everybody's out to get me. I feel like I should just embrace the the mantra. I've got parents You're chirping at, at me during the game. you got the target. You're going to get everyone's got, best effort. i got a, a lot of tense
1: coaches. Everyone's reading the rule book. I'm going
2: to tell you what's tense. We finished the regular season undefeated, and uh, I've got a batting practice tonight because two teams are playing a tournament game tonight to play in to play us to start the tournament. And I've got a very uneasy feeling about my girls – being too rested, much like my Atlanta Braves oh. and these Major League Baseball teams with the rest, they're playing a do-or-die game tonight, single elimination. So I'm going to go have batting practice to try to keep keep my team sharp leading into single elimination. And you just know the worst possible feeling is going undefeated all regular season and, then, and losing the first tournament game. If we lose in the championship, that's two out of three, okay. going to be very disappointing based on the season. But losing early in the tournament... It's going to be heartbreaking. But the good news is Hutton, uh I don't think my team would care at all. <laughs> it's uh look, it's a, it's a sport for kids. I'm not sure they'd care. Parents would certainly care. I would
1: certainly care. The next our, league will start like girls, 2 months later.
2: Our little girls, you know, they'd get over it pretty quickly.
1: Jad, uh, They're resilient that bunch. You know what li- lived up to expectations uh much like your season thus far is the Washington Oregon matchup. 36-33. So good. Uh the final uh I don't see a loser in this game, though. I don't know if you feel the same way, but Oregon's going to be in the mix and right there for the Pac-12 championship, just like Washington. They'll both have their opportunity. And now with the injury to Brock Bowers at Georgia, this is a very intriguing final stretch for the college football season. Bowers, a top talent, that, and that goes without saying, but seems like a surefire hit in the NFL From the tight end spot. Uh, He's going to have the tightrope surgery. So he's out four to six weeks on the ankle injury. And that opens the door for uh, a lot of programs to play some sound defense and maybe catch Georgia not at their best at the quarterback spot. And meanwhile, the other conference is looking around going, "Okay, maybe if uh, the SEC can clip Georgia once and maybe we see what happens in the SEC championship game, maybe we can get two teams in. And I I saw two great teams in the Pac-12 this weekend in that matchup.
2: Yeah, and I saw. I mean, look, both quarterbacks terrific, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. But Penix Jr. is he's the front runner now for oh, the Heisman. The, the guy's favorite is now. insane. And I just love the way Washington plays offense, which is so different than than you see most teams right now. Strictly pocket is Michael Penix Jr. He's not trying to run the ball much at all. Uh, what a great game, great scene that was. I can't help but also be a little bit bummed out thinking, oh, this is a, you know, a, a Big Ten West game starting here very soon, <laughs> yeah. right? And no
1: longer a, a Pac-12 game between those two. And but as long as they keep playing, I guess it's okay. Four touchdowns, one interception, and he moves to minus 150 uh, on the, the line, the favorite, big favorite now, uh, to, to win the Heisman currently. And he's going to be featured more. Because Washington ends up winning that game. Just going yeah. back to the prominence of just eyeballs. And again, you're right. Bo Nix, he played well. But Pinnox is just a step above.
2: Look, I, I think um, Georgia, credit Vandy, they played Georgia better and closer than anyone thought. I thought they were sleepwalking a bit this weekend. Yes. But even without Brock Bowers, I, I just, they're going to get a bye week and they're going to play Florida in a cocktail party. Maybe Missouri, I think, is a team that could get them. But that game's at home. Ole Miss at home. I don't think, unless Tennessee goes to their backup quarterback, Tennessee's going to have the offense to beat Georgia. they got a really good defense. But even in Knoxville, that's going to be a tall, tall ask. Then they get Georgia Tech to close out the season. So I still look at it, and I see a team that could very easily get beat by two touchdowns in an SEC championship game by whoever comes out of the West – but still, maybe sitting pretty for a possible playoff spot.
1: Uh, playoff Depending spot. on losses with the rest of the SEC. That's right. But maybe not as dominant in the playoff once they get oh, there, no, right? No, not at it, all. He's not, without Bowers, you don't, you don't draw the same attention. And yeah. again, four to six weeks with the tightrope surgery where they're trying to get him back fast and then he's okay. We'll see. But that's not, not always the case as far as timetables Well, Especially for a guy who's headed to the league.
2: You know, this year's Georgia is Michigan.
1: Yes. But they we,
2: are just pounding people. They haven't given up more than 10 points on the season. I know their schedule has been a pretty remarkably weak Yes. to be this deep into October right now, but they are killing folks so far. So credit to them. To me, they look like the most dominant team in college football, similar to the way Georgia had the previous two years. But, I mean, still, here sits Georgia with right. this long winning streak, and they still haven't
1: lost. Michael Penix Jr., our alpha of the weekend. Others, uh, the Jets defense, three turnovers on the final seven possessions for Philadelphia. And they hold Philly to 2.3 yards per carry. They got all around and swarmed hurts and go into a, a three and three record now where there's a lot of just average play in the AFC currently. A lot of teams sitting with three wins or trying to scratch, you know, the four or five with the upcoming weekend. A uh, big moment tonight for the Chargers, for instance. But the Jets are in the thick of it, just like many teams sit right now, and it's because of their defensive effort. And they do it, Chad, without Sauce Gardner, who was ruled out on Saturday just prior to, to kickoff. And then you also uh, have D.J. Reed on the mend. They do it without their top two corners, and that's how that defense rolls, is with, on the edge, they can cover one-on-one. Yeah, they
2: they have exceeded every expectation I think we could have had for the Jets defense. I, I, just, I get worked up thinking about, man, think about Aaron Rodgers now paired with that defense. Oh, I know. And what we've seen and what this Jets team could be in the AFC. Now, we've also said the defense is so good if Zach Wilson can just be okay. Moderate quarterback play not even middle of the pack, just not the very bottom of the league, this team could still win some games and put themselves in contention for a playoff spot, right? They're starting to get that a little bit more from Zach Wilson, that level of play that they don't need that much from him. They just need for him to make the plays that are there and stay out of the defense's way. They're starting to get a little bit more of it, but I I am super impressed with this defense. I I knew they were going to be good coming in. I don't think they're right now exceeding my wildest expectations of what they could be, not just as a shutdown group, but a game-changing group. The interception of Jalen Hurts, and they win the game with that play. And I don't think Zach Wilson, if you play it out normally and you punt back to the Jets, that he's going to make the game-winning plays to go down and score points and win. But it was the Jets' defense that did it once again. Super impressed with that group.
1: Jets get 11 points off of turnovers. Uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles offense yesterday. Uh, The Browns. Jim Schwartz brought in as the defensive coordinator. He sat patiently and waited for two years uh, as an assistant behind the scenes with Mike Vrabel's and Shane Bowen's defense here in Nashville with the Titans. And for good reason, he chooses Cleveland. Goes back and and has this group and is coaching a defense, Chad, that was 20th in points allowed a year ago. They now have just allowed seven touchdowns all season. They've surrendered only seven scores. And they hold the top offense in the league uh, second to Miami in scoring. There's San Francisco, who's putting up 30 a game, to low numbers and a quarterback who has never lost a regular season start because of the talent around him, ends up falling to the talent opposite on the sideline.
2: And we haven't even even hit bad weather season yet in Northeast Ohio coming off the lake. So imagine what this defense could be as the weather turns colder and conditions get harder for offenses to perform when they're hosting games late in the season. Jim Schwartz has always been an alpha. He's especially an alpha when he's a defensive coordinator. He he is the guy that is not suited to be a head coach. Has not had a ton of success. He did get to the, the Lions the playoffs after a long absence as the head coach. But not had a ton of success as a head coach. But Hutton, I feel like pretty consistently is a really good defensive coordinator in the NFL, proving it once again with this Browns team.
1: To the betas, shall we? Bill Belichick and the Patriots lose again. And it they actually performed better than expected. they They scored. They put up points. They went toe-to-toe with the Raiders. And... I'm watching. They can't even get the perfect passes right. Mac Jones on the final possession uh, that could have led to the the field goal. They're 15 yards away from a field goal if they end up having a catch from Devontae Parker. Jones drops it right in the bucket. Perfect throw. And Parker ends up dropping that easy play. And Belichick's just sitting there shaking his head. Starting over, well... Starting over in week six ended up being a lot like the previous games. Another loss as they still sit with just one win.
2: There's no way that Belichick can be the guy to start completely over, which I'm not talking about starting over this year. I'm talking about the franchise resetting and starting over and rebuilding after this season, which is going to have to happen. There's going to have to be someone else in charge of that. It's not going to be Bill Belichick. He is a beta right now, an alpha move for Belichick would be late in this season as this team continues to fall apart to go ahead and announce that you're resigning at season's end, have a nice little two- or three-game swan song in New England, and then go coach somewhere else and have more success somewhere else, which could happen. And I think he's going to get another opportunity to coach if he wants. But this thing has fallen apart quickly for New England. And it's one of those situations, Hutt, where I look at him and say – I don't know how they turn this around. I don't see the components no. on this roster The Bills with and team. Dolphins are next for them. Yeah, or any, any signs that, oh, well, if they just do this or put this together, they can really get it going and save Belichick's job. This thing's done. The team is done. And um, I hope a guy who's been a legendary coach for that organization leaves with some grace at this point.
1: 21-17, the final. And they win. The Raiders win over the Patriots with McDaniels, who – Beats Belichick for the second time in two seasons and with Brian Hoyer coming off the bench because at halftime, Jimmy G went to the hospital with a back issue. Still can't get the victory. Chad, uh, Deshaun Watson, a beta because we're pointing to the injury, the, sh- the shoulder contusion that is keeping him out of practice all of last week, coming off a bye week, and the game prior in week four says he can't go in warm-ups after telling the media in the week leading up to the matchup against the Ravens that, yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to – turns out, no. They go with P.J. Walker, which is a great move, by the way, by Stefanski last week where he inserts the veteran who's on the practice squad, goes ahead and says that P.J. Walker is going to be the backup this week to Watson. If Deshaun can't go, Walker is obviously the starter. The veteran presence, instead of going again with the rookie – it's a smart move because it kept the locker room focused. And that's a, that's a week where they're going up against San Francisco. But they're not going in with their best option at QB. The fully guaranteed money is on the sideline with the shoulder contusion going on three weeks now. Timetable can be whatever it is. But the whole timetable started with, I'm playing this weekend. And two weeks later, we sit here going, what's the message that's being sent behind the scenes with this? Browns get the victory. Watson wasn't a part of it.
2: Well, and not only did they get the victory, I mean, they beat a team that, you know, this last week, I'm thinking, could this 49ers team go undefeated? (laughs) I know. That's how good this team looked, though. And I asked the question, I don't think anybody batted an eye. I started looking at the schedule thinking, well, they go to Philadelphia, that's going to be tough. They were undefeated, too, at the time. And Cleveland, with their defense able to beat them, look, it's not because of P.J. Walker. It's because of the Browns' defense, but... He was able to manage a game in which the Browns beat the previously unbeaten 49ers. When Deshaun Watson comes back, I don't think there's front office pressure on him or coaching pressure or any of that, but you better start doing something in a hurry. If you're jumping into a team that's having success with someone else playing quarterback, the onus is on you to keep that team success going. However, you're generating that team success. So there is some pressure there for him once he gets back.
1: 49ers had a 17-6 to lead in the fourth quarter. Egregious penalty, by the way, on Gibson for San Francisco for uh, unnecessary roughness on a hit to, uh, across the middle to Elijah Moore. Uh, wasn't leading with the helmet at all. Shoulder. Shoulder hit. Everyone saying it was a terrible call. This still goes against San Francisco. And then later on the same drive, various Ward's call for holding where his hand is sliding off of Amari Cooper, and they call him for holding. That's another first down in favor of Cleveland. But nonetheless, Browns get the victory at home in a week where no one expected them to.
2: The next three quarterbacks that Browns defense faces off against, Gardner Minshew, Geno Smith, Josh Dobbs. Those are the next three opponents for that Browns defense.
1: Setting up nicely. Setting up nicely. Uh, Finally, final bait of the week, of the Tennessee Titans offense. Allergic to the end zone can't score, running 16 fewer snaps per game than the top offense in the league. And they go down to the Baltimore Ravens for uh, a team that also went in reeling to London. The Titans, they're not that team this year, Chad. Coach, player, depth, they're not there. They look like a poorly coached team
2: at this point. I don't think I'd be saying that coming into the season.
1: Overreaction to the weekend next. 6th and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. You can uh, follow us on social. You can find Outkick on YouTube. Chad in the chat as well. Just search out Outkick and uh, join us there as well as Outkick.com. We appreciate you watching at the site or listening to this great radio partner. Chad, we knew that Columbus, Ohio is the place to go if you want to spend money on a regular season college football game.
2: And if you want to see gray, gloomy skies and cold temperatures seemingly all year round. yeah, State of Ohio is for you, if that's what you like.
1: Uh, But we know that because Colorado earlier this year uh, topped Ohio State for the highest ticket price in college football for a regular season matchup on average. And that was the first time any program had done that since like 2021, I believe. But this upcoming weekend, we finally get to see the top tier of the Big Ten between Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, however you want to stack them. It's hard because we have seen Ohio State kind of sleepwalk through their schedule. Michigan, uh, unbeaten, dominant, but their schedule is still, hey, show us, show us something so we can gauge where this team really is against the top of college football. We know they're really good. And then there's Penn State, who has won every game by at least 17 points. Penn State, Ohio State this weekend, the ticket prices, as you would expect, on the secondary market, at least the asking prices, are high. What they end up going for by the time kickoff rolls around, yet to be determined. But, I mean, the average ticket price with fees on SeatGeek, $759 right now. Cheapest ticket you can find to the game is $246 for uh, Ohio State, Penn State. That's a lot. Anytime I see
2: the prices get that astronomically high yeah. for games with huge venues, I can understand when the stadium's smaller or you're in an arena for a big event, those prices going up, up, and up. But we're talking about gigantic venues uh, with prices like that. Pretty impressive. And those are – I mean, that that three-way round robin, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State this year, going to be fantastic. All, all those
1: games. Time for Penn State to prove it, Right. This is their year to really claim it if they want, based on how college football is stacked right now. Might as well do it. Beat Ohio State. It seems like a beatable Ohio State team. Quarterback play. You've got matchups galore in this. See Aller back on the road, and he's proven he can play on the road in the Big Ten to some degree. The biggest test coming up on Saturday. Chad, time for overreaction to the college football weekend. We go to Davey Hudson.
0: Guys, another eventful weekend in the world of college football. We're going to go across all major conferences. I've got a few things I'm going to throw at you. You tell me if it's over an overreaction or if it's just realistic. And we'll start. You guys talked on the Colorado Buffaloes earlier, but Colorado will not make a bowl game.
1: Oh man, that's an overreaction. Uh, yeah, there's like 500 bowl games. They're taking teams with uh, losing records. I, 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 I don't don't know you start to
0: have the APR at a certain I don't don't know what the
1: APR is for Colorado. I would imagine it's not good. (laughs) I haven't haven't heard APR in like over a year. Well, they take five (laughs) and
2: seven teams based on APR. Here's their remaining schedule. Okay, they're four and three right now. Uh, They go to UCLA. Loss. Let's add them up.
1: Well, I have no idea. I mean, okay, we'll add them up.
2: Okay. No, I'm I'm just giving you my guess on what they have. UCLA, 25th in the country, great defense. I'm going to say loss in the road. At home against 12th-ranked Oregon State, I'm going to say a loss. Arizona at home. Arizona's playing really well. I'm going to say win for Colorado in that one at home. That would get to five. Then they close out their season at Washington State and at 14th-ranked Utah. So they have to win two of the following games. At UCLA, Oregon State at home, Arizona at home, at Washington State, at Utah. I'm going to go out on a limb because they surprised me to start the season and say they'll, they'll surprise me again and win two of those games.
1: I think so. Because
2: that is a bit of a surprise, honestly, with I, that
1: remaining schedule. And it, their biggest issue is they're giving up leads. It's not like they're you know all of a sudden just nowhere to be found offensively and they've just, you know, they're just not who they were to begin the first four of the season. Um, it's just hanging on to the leads. And they've got enough talent – to hang with the next 3 and I think they'll end up being bowl eligible. And then then you have the bowls fighting over who gets primetime.
0: Yeah. All right guys, well, staying in the Pac-12. I know Chad, you've been high on the Huskies. So I'm going to add a little bit extra element to this question but or statement, but Washington will win a college football playoff game.
2: Yeah. I think Washington right now the, the two most impressive teams I've seen in the nation right now that I think if I just said, from what we've seen here, mid-October, who's going to play for the national title? It is Washington v. Michigan. Those are the two best teams in the country I've seen so far this year. So I'm going to go on a limb again with my Huskies and say Washington will win a college football playoff game.
1: And even the naysayers that would have, you know, two Big Ten teams or maybe a, a Texas or Oklahoma, whoever in, wins up the, ends up with the Big 12, even if you're just projecting, Washington's now in it over Florida State because they've now got the schedules and the wins to back it up. Uh, yes, I'm with you, Chad. I think Washington's good. They could beat anyone in the country, and uh, that includes Michigan. They, they have the quarterback to do it. So, yeah, I, I'm on board with that. They have the receiving core as well where it's not just one guy that
0: you have to shut down. All right, guys. Final Pac-12 question. Caleb Williams lost the Heisman Saturday night. I think we're going to agree on this one. Yeah, go ahead. Yes.
2: The answer is yes. You have to go so far above and beyond to win two Heisman trophies. And I, I said going into this game, he's probably going to have to go undefeated in the regular season and at least match and probably go over what he did a year ago statistically. Both of those things needed to happen. He wasn't great in prime time. USC's defense was even worse in this game. I think the Heisman Trophy is over
1: for Caleb Williams. Even if he picks it back up and ends up being a one-loss one USC, which we don't foresee. Chad, I agree 100% here because the Heisman voters, by and large, there are many of them who do their job and do it well. They analyze all of college football, and they're actually watching all these games. The vast, I see the vast majority are watching USC for the first time this past weekend, and they probably turned the channel off at some point, too. I mean, I, that's why he's losing the Heisman. It's because they, the, the voters who saw a very small snapshot are going to remember that. And he was, he was a Heisman by default. He's very good. Heisman by default last year based on injury to Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud not claiming the Heisman against Michigan.
0: On the other side of that field talking USC-Notre Dame, but Notre Dame should still be in contention for the college football playoff.
2: No. They're going to have to have some – first off, the, the teams who haven't lost are going to need to drop one. Uh, then teams who have dropped one around them are going to need to drop another one. I mean, look, they've lost two games, and one of them was to a Louisville team that followed up smacking Notre Dame around at whatever they call Papa John Stadium now to going on the road and losing badly to a 1-4 and four Pittsburgh team. So no, Notre Dame should not be in contention for the college football playoff. Look, huge win. It's exactly what Marcus Freeman needed. I felt the echoes waking up as I'm watching that game and the reaction from the crowd. Big moment for him in that program. But no, they're not suddenly in contention for college football playoff. Not not, now, at
1: least. Not a great team. I I, I thought the the loss meant more about where USC is and their deficiencies than what Notre Dame was able to do. They were a home favorite against the unbeaten USC Trojans. And here's the other thing about Notre Dame. I I think this year, conference championship games are going to mean a lot more than what we've seen in recent years for the college football playoff. You get that last snapshot, and that would propel several teams ahead of the Irish based on the snapshots we've seen against very average teams that they've gone up against. And USC seems to be one of them. Uh, Don't fault Notre Dame for winning the game. I'm I'm not saying that, but... I'm faulting them what we've seen previously. Colin was
2: getting very mad. He thought you were saying that, Hudden. I'll say this about Notre Dame. Um, they look the part. That, that, that's the encouraging part for Irish fans. Their defense, especially, they don't look white and slow. They look like a team that can run with anybody. Physically, they look like a high-level college football playoff contending team. Physically, on the field. we got to not have 10 guys on the field. On a final play of the game, we got to clean some things up. We can't have go to Louisville and lay a big egg. So they're not a college football playoff contender yet, but they're getting there. I believe they are getting there with Marcus Freeman. Hey, hey,
1: Davey, final thought on this: Nick Saban is campaigning for a two-loss Bama last year to get in. He doesn't get it. You think Marcus Freeman's going to win that argument? Absolutely
0: not. Valid point to end on right there, guys. I know we started the segment talking the Penn State Ohio State game. That one coming up this Saturday. But right now, Penn State is the best team in the Big Ten. No.
2: Michigan. That would be an overreaction based on what they beat UMass by, 63 to nothing. Correct. Did I see that? Um, I did like the hat that James Franklin was wearing in the rain. That was a nice change-up look for him. Normally just going with a bald head out there. I like the hat on him. But no, Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten.
1: uh, My answer is I don't know. I don't know what has happened to the Big Ten where there's a significant drop-off now from four to eight, four through 12 even, uh, after you get past the top three. Ohio State's not what they were a year ago. We know that. Michigan seems to be better, but I honestly don't know given their schedule. And Penn State, based on what they've done, I mean, they've won every game by 17 points and they've faced at least... Somewhat of a more difficult schedule, even though I'm just putting down the depth of the Big Ten. There, I they need to prove it, and it starts this weekend. They can beat Ohio State right now, though, uh, Davy. I'm taking Michigan, even without having seen the resume.
0: Uh, when you mentioned the big drop from the top four down, kind of just top three, really. Real, yeah, At, let's add these last two questions together. If Notre Dame was in the Big Ten and they won the Big Ten championship, still with two losses, would that then change your answer about them making I mean, the College Football just Playoff? Such a, I, I, I mean,
2: I, I'm adding a lot. I don't there. know. Like, yeah, we can get into that. Like, like, it's just right now there are too many undefeated teams, but, too many one-loss teams that are ahead of them. If in four weeks the the world blows up and suddenly all these teams that are undefeated have one or two, lo- then yeah, we can talk about I, that I, And I just, I don't see
1: it. I'm just, I'm trying to picture what the argument would be for Marcus Freeman when Saban is arguing, we have two losses on the final play of the game last year. We're Bama. You love us. Let us in. And they didn't. Marcus Freeman's going to argue what? We have two losses and it's on me because I, I didn't recognize Tim in on the field twice. I, I can't. And if they were that in the Big help. Ten,
2: they would already have the head-to-head loss of Ohio State. So Ohio State would have to lose two. For them to win the Big Ten, to w-
0: even win their division in that, so no. All right, uh, throwing it out there. Next question. He really wants next- to say yes to that, but next- no. Ah, I'm just trying to create a conversation, guys. That's all I'm all I'm here for. Uh, Texas A&M will have a new coach for the next season. It's a great, great question. Uh, no,
2: I-, I think that A&M's defense is just good enough to give them eight wins, and I think eight wins or seven wins, while disappointing, trust me. Based on what they've paid, especially for that recruiting class, because they've got some NFL talent now on that roster, seven wins is terribly disappointing for this team. But I think seven wins probably gives
1: him another season. I mean, could, do they get to seven? I mean, who, that's the thing. Like, South Carolina, after an open week, South Carolina, followed by a trip to Ole Miss. Then they face Mississippi State. They have... Uh, They've got
2: to beat South Carolina and Mississippi State. I think for any of that to happen, right? Can we start there?
1: Okay, so the, those are two got to so get. So the two toss-ups would be at Ole Miss and then at LSU to finish the season. I don't think they're beating LSU, especially after
2: upsetting LSU a year ago. Uh, I don't think they're beating Ole Miss either, but it, it's, it's not going to be easy. So they also I, play Abilene Christian which would be a win.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's absolutely possible. I I don't I, I say no right now to this question, but this fit. It's not if you lose it's how, and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of money that's willing to pay the buyouts. It, and and if, if they finish limping down the stretch here. That Tennessee loss means a lot.
0: If they fired him before next season, they would owe him $76.8 That buyout is still huge all the way into 2027. At that point, it's $39.2 So.
1: That's uh, all in a day's work yep. for College Station and the oil money. What's the... Uh, the I saw
2: I saw Clay write about this at Outkick in his weekly college football column and he cited the price of, of barrels of oil. Yeah. Said it's over hundred dollars right now, so they have the money. The AM boosters have the money to pay it out, which I found
1: hilarious. But he's right. They have the money if they want to do it. Mike Veck joins us straight ahead, plus headlines and more in hour two. Top Mike with Hudding Withrow across the Outkick Network.